the goal of our family and the idea came into play to be able to travel with them. And for two years, we did that. We homeschooled them. We traveled basically about every month, six weeks at a time was our biggest one. And then two weeks being gone was our normal time. So we'd come back, we'd go. So we were traveling a lot. Each place had a different perspective and a different reason for being there. But what I needed to do for that is my team had to be able to take the reins and keep the practice going with or without me. This is the Dental Marketer Podcast, where we teach you how to effectively market your dental practice. My name is Michael Arias, and my mission is to help you, the practice owner, to grow your practice, attract new patients immediately, and be seen as the go-to dental office in your community. Now, I want you to imagine something. Imagine that you're able to fly around the world when you want, but you're doing it for a fulfilling purpose. You're impacting the lives of children in need, and you're still keeping your practice humming along like a well-oiled machine all while doing that. Now, you might be thinking, oh, that'd be perfect. That'd be fantastic, but I need my team on board. But what if your team could be more than just employees, but co-pilots in this journey of yours, in your practice, in your life? Well, Dr. Yolanda Mangrum has cracked the code. She's not just running a practice, she's leading a movement, all while taking her own kids on life-changing adventures. But how does she manage team dynamics so everyone's not just nodding along in her team, but actively steering the ship to the destination, to the goal? And I'm sure you know that no practice is without its challenges. But Yolanda has a unique perspective on handling difficult situations, including how to respond to upset patients with compassion and empathy. It's a wonderful episode, so stick around because Dr. Mangrum is about to share insights that could revolutionize the way you think about your practice, your team, and your life. All that with Dr. Yolanda Mangrum on The Dental Marketer. And a quick note, if you want to interact with the podcast more, maybe you want to talk with the guests that you've heard on the podcast or other listeners, or maybe like mastermind and brainstorm some of the strategies that you hear on the Monday morning marketing episodes or this episode, then stick to the end of the episode and I'll tell you exactly how to do that for free. Okay. All right. Let's jump into this episode. Yolanda, how's it going? Excellent. Excellent. That's wonderful to hear. So if you can, Tell us a little bit about your past, your present. How did you get to where you are today? So uh, post-dental school, I guess we can start there. I started a dental practice after two years of being out of dental school. Immediately after dental school, I went into being hired as an educator, the, a professor at UCSF. And so I was teaching two days a week. I was associating two days a week by the time that I started my practice. And I was opening my practice two days a week. It was a busy, busy time for sure. Okay. So you open your practice two days a week and two days a week you were working and two days a week you were educating. So you had one day. Yeah. To go to Costco to buy stuff for the practice or to go <laughs> to whatever. It was an errands day. That's how I got started in the practice. Fast forward, I grew that practice to be basically what I felt was like a teenager. My baby kind of grew up to be a teenager. And, and I'd already had, at that point, two babies. And I shaped my practice to be the way I wanted it for my life. 
And so I had the great benefit of starting my practice pretty much six months out with a coach. And, you know, the big centering point was, what do you want in life? And let's shape your practice to be that. So at different times, I wanted to be at home to be able to breastfeed, or I wanted to be able to have certain times or days off so that I could pick up the kids. So the practice was kind of shifted and shaped to support that. Fast forward, we're in this having kids stage, and I had a maternity leave. And basically at that point, it made sense that I have an associate. So we ended up having coverage for the first baby. And then by the second baby, she became a partner so that I could have that life balance. What I didn't plan, because that seemed like a logical thing, being a mom and do that. What I didn't plan was being approached to buy another practice. And I was like, oh, no, that's not my plan. My plan is this. When this came about, I actually took a different trajectory and did invest in another practice. And we came up with a bigger why. And that why became our 10-year mission in growing this second practice. And that why became so big that it meant that I actually would do something that I would have never, ever thought I would do, which is sell my baby. Let my baby that grew up to be a teenager go on and exist in my hometown and have me move one town over and grow a multi-specialty medical and dental practice. So that's where I am today. I have a 10,600 square foot building, 16 operatory, a med spa, dental spa, an education center, all because of my big why, that I wanted to be able to have a practice, have the passion in my practice, and also have all this dedicated time to support my family. We had this plan for 10 years when my kids were hitting junior high to do dental missions and to travel the world and do service. And that happened pre-COVID, thankfully, because if it had happened a year later, my 10-year goal would not have came to a full existence. So we traveled to probably five or more countries and the kids were homeschooled and we did a lot of family values time in incorporating family values into experiences through traveling and service. So you guys still do that right now? They're now in high school. We did it pre-COVID and we've done only one mission post-COVID. We basically weave in when we do traveling. There's always a way to do some service with it. Even concierge at nice hotels can set up a service mission for you. They can look into some local places and find ways for you to do a give back. We've done it in Jamaica, Costa Rica, and those have been more just like checking with the local concierge and asking them, how can we help? The other things that we did were more with organizations and they were like planned just to go for that. But almost always, especially when you're traveling to these beautiful tropical countries, there's plenty of needs in those communities. So one day excursion being of service has been the way that we've been bringing our children into a give back. And they appreciate that. The people appreciate it, but your children will. You know what I mean? Like it's going to open up their give back even more, right? Hospitality, things like that. That's really good. If we can rewind a little bit, you were hired as an educator. That was immediately after 
Dental school. Yeah, I was very active in dental school and I've always been happy sharing and teaching. So about for about three to four years, I was, I don't know what the title was, but some kind of professor, like an assistant associate or somebody, but professor at UCSF. Um, I was low on the total pole. But yes, I did some education right after dental school and was teaching things like anesthetic and being on the clinic floor and and that type of thing. And so all those education things, I was a dental assistant before I went into dental school. I went to lab tech school before dental school. So that really helped to have a full experience of all the different fields in dentistry before I opened up my practice. Because I, I literally know how it feels to be in each position in the practice and their challenges. So that's what's been a key success, I think, to me. In 2011, I wrote a book knowing that I wanted this mission to be able to travel with my kids. It's called Hire to Inspire. I've updated it, but I haven't published the newer version post 10 years after that. But Hire to Inspire, it was two things that I realized as an employer. One, I only wanted to work with happy people. And two, I only wanted to work in partnership with them. And that meant that I needed to be surrounded by leaders, people that were working on their leadership development. And I never want to be in a management position. When I hire people in my practice, I sit down and I have a conversation with them about purpose. Ikigai is a term in Japanese that's called your reason for being. And so we start from the very beginning on our onboarding, which is part of the Hire to Inspire process, which is basically to, from the beginning, make sure that we have matching core values and that we have purposeful work. And so this may be only a point in time for you as far as this leveraging you to your next place. So I always say, you know, as long as this is your happy place to come to work, then we're in alignment. But I only want to work with happy people. So if we get to the place where you really find that your passion is somewhere else, then I'm going to help you to find your happy place. Mm -hmm. And that means we'll continue our journey, but in a different way. So you will go off to be, say, a hairdresser, which ironically yesterday, one of my former employees did, (laughs) or you'll we'll stay here and we'll continue to grow together. But ultimately, we all have to be continuing to grow and be passionate about our work. So Hire to Inspire was a shift in 2011 for me. And I literally took each chapter and I sat down and I read it out loud with my team, many of which are still here with me, many who also have came and I've supported to go off into other areas. So the idea is just to continue to inspire them to look for what their purpose is. So that's our onboarding process is to really get things straight about our core values, who we are. I have a culture handbook that we go over and we have what's called operating principles. Operating principles are basically staying how we do things, why we do things, what our why is, is really important. And basically team members As people, we all want to do a good job and feel good about our work, but we often don't know how or what the best way for that work to show up is. So the more clarity we can have, especially onboarding people, the better. Right now we have 50-something people in our practice between the two practices. It's always a work. I'm the culture keeper. That's my role. 
is to just keep the culture. And it's not always easy because everybody has different beliefs and things. But ultimately, having good communication lines and having clarity around your values and our why is how we continue to live in a happy place and have that line when you cross over, it's showtime. We're here to serve. Interesting. So you mentioned you only hire leaders. What's your hiring process look like? How do we even find leaders in that center, the ad and everything like that? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's the irony. Everybody can be a leader. Everybody is a leader to some degree. It's just how well developed are they? Most importantly, do they want to be developed in that way? That's probably number one is everybody in our practice, no matter what your role is, if your role is to clean the toilets, then you're the leader of cleaning the toilets. So we will listen to you when it comes to taking care of that. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, if you're the hygienist, you're the leader of the perinatal therapy. And when it comes to you telling us what needs to happen in that department, you're the expert. You're the person who's going off and making a hyper focus in that area. And so we're going to all collaborate on things. But at the same time, you're the person steering the ship on that area. As a CEO, as an owner, I have to be surrounded by smart people. And I want people that are thinking. I want people that are speaking their mind. I don't want people just being head bobbers. Yep, yep. Oh, that's not going to work. Yep, she's going to fail on that. No, I want them to say, I like where you're going, but maybe we need to consider a different direction. Blah, 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 blah reasons. Or have you considered this? Or what's going to happen with that? So I want people asking questions. Is it frustrating sometimes to be like all excited about doing something, but then have someone put all these questions around? Absolutely. So that's where I had to grow my own leadership. You know, I had to grow who I am to not have such an ego about me being all knowing. We do a collaborative process and everything is about leadership development. I personally don't want to be in a conversation where I'm managing something because it's stressful at that point. If we're collaborating, if we're working towards brainstorming on how to make things better, then it's a very easy, light energy um, process. Okay. So there has to be like a balance of with every person you find, humility and confidence, basically, right? Yeah. Because it's like you got to be confident enough to know you're the leader for this and you're going to tell us how to do it, give us instructions, manuals, things like that, SOPs, and then humble enough to, yeah, you're cleaning the toilets, but you're the leader for that, right, kind of thing. Whatever it is, to some degree, um, we all have certain innate skills in certain ones and some things that we have to work on. It's progress over perfection all the time. And then we're appreciating also that failures lead to learning. There's uh, many different keys in our development process. In fact, one historical thing that's shaped me and continued and those that have children highly recommend SuperCamp. There's the eight keys of excellence, and it has been 100% woven into my structure of living my life. And we actually weave it into our culture handbook, the eight keys of excellence with SuperCamp. And they have some education on bringing children and teaching children personal development skills early on. I was a team leader during undergrad. And so I did 
three or four years of that. When I got out, I was really looking for that camp experience where personal development was forefront in having a team surrounding me with those kind of skill sets, communication, personal development mindset, all of that. And so I looked and I interviewed many different consultants and I knew that I needed to have, you know, this ongoing constant learning environment. And after probably more than a hundred different seminars of sitting in practice management, learning, learning, learning what I could, I came across something called fortune management. And that's another part of my life now because I've been coaching for now 10 years, but been coached for 25 years with fortune management. And it's about extraordinary life, extraordinary practice. So that was the key thing when I had the startup. It's like, what do you want in life? Let's shape your practice to meet that. So fortune has had a huge impact on me and my thinking, my processing, our team development, super camp, this personal development skills started young. Yeah, I think that these things are a real big part of our development. The reality is we don't get taught how to talk. We don't get taught how to have relationships, how to get through conflicts. There's a lot of conflicts that can happen in dental practices, and we need to learn how to come out stronger on the other end. A bad review is an opportunity because it's a cry for help. It's a cry to say, hey, this happened to me. It's not easy to lean in on those things, but if someone comes to you, say in the office, and they haven't actually sprayed it across the Google and Yelp and all that, then they're coming to you with a concern, or you might call it a complaint, but then they're caring enough to share. So humility, again, comes into the place of listening to understand and also understanding that we're never going to be perfect. So if that was that one person's experience, what can we learn from that? Our team is encouraged to basically lean into issue processing. And that's a leadership skill too, because at first a reaction would be go into defense mode instead of just apologizing first and then thanking them immediately for bringing the concern to you. It puts you in a different state. Now you're not in a defense state. You know, apologize for the impact that had on you. Certainly wasn't my intent. Thank you for bringing this to my attention. I want to help. Boom. You just say those things to anybody that is upset with you at any time. Now, what? Do you, how would you feel about that? Yeah. If I said that to you and you were upset with me, how would you feel? I feel calm. I'd be like, oh, oh wait, okay. I feel, you know what? I feel heard, validated, like, oh, okay, you're, yes. you're listening to me. Yes. So part of Fortune's training is to understand that there are human needs. People have human needs. We don't know what's going on in their life. It's most likely more to do about them than it has to do with you. And to feel validated that one, they're being seen, they're being heard, and that they matter is huge. And then you get to choose from that point how much of that is really mine and how much of it is theirs. Is there anything we could change in our systems or in our processes that could shift the dynamic here? Because we are practicing. So let's figure out how we can have an issue come up, but then make it better the next time. So we learn from it and we see that as an opportunity to grow versus when we're in a mode of defending, then we're not in a mode of growing. So I highly encourage that 
in the leaders to be big instead of to be small. When you're thinking small, you're in that defense mode. But when you're willing to set that aside and lean in and get curious about it and think like, how could that have happened? How could we have done better? Where did this go to that side? What's missing here? Oh, they don't really understand this part. And the key thing is that you may get to the place where you totally understand that they don't know what they're talking about when they're talking to you. But if you shift right away into telling them something, you have to remember, are you in rapport with them now? What I said in the beginning that set the frame work was to start to get rapport with you, Michael. I apologize. It's not my intention. I would never want you to feel like that. So now that was the beginning of rapport. And in our processes in Fortune, there's the steps of enrollment. There's steps of getting into rapport with people that we train our team members to go through because rapport is everything. Rapport with your team members, rapport with your patients, rapport and influencing. You influence people all the time, getting really good at influencing it and really good at influencing yourself, like talking yourself off the ledge. To be defensive is a big deal. So those are some of the skills that we focus on in our leadership development. But basically, everybody is in leadership development all the time. You never get out of that school. Gotcha. And you're 100% right, Yolanda. Like when it comes to defending We've heard this all the time. They're like, it's good to apologize. It's good to say sorry, right? It's super good to do that. But you try being the first one to do that, right? Then it becomes, oh my God, well, if they say sorry, I can say sorry. You know what I mean? But I'm the first one. I don't know. You know what I mean? Because then you start defensive mode. It takes a bigger viewpoint. There's a bigger thing happening here than just like that little, oh my gosh, we're arguing about the bad review or the defensive or I'm not paying you for this or that. There's a bigger picture that we got to look into that's really valuable. Supercamp, what is that? Yeah, Supercamp is what's called quantum learning and personal development. Supercamp is held on colleges all across the world. Actually, I even taught in Hong Kong. Dental school got in the way or I'd have been in many other countries, but (laughs) it's a really cool 10-day camp. It focuses on the eight keys of excellence. One day, each skill is focused on, so eight keys of excellence is this is it, like living in the moment. I'm not going to list all of them right now, but communications speak with good purpose. Failures lead to success. All amazing things to get straight in your head as you leap into the world. So basically, you go through a 10-day personal development, but also there is these quantum learnings where you learn speed reading, different ways to look at math, SAT prep of some sort. Mm -hmm. So it's a big impact 10 days. And I was able to be a team leader. It is not inexpensive to do that. And I certainly would have not been able to attend from a financial standpoint at that point. But as a team leader, I got to absorb a lot of those teachings and I was taught to teach them. So it was like the best of all worlds. Nice. Okay. So you were able to Absorb as much that you still carry it on till today. I mean, yeah. from what we're talking about, right? Yeah. One of the things I wanted to ask you is, it sounds like from the beginning, you've had, I guess, like a mission or my children. I want to be with them. I want to be with my family and everything like that. How did you keep that mission in front of your eyes this whole time? For example, I'm opening a practice. Then you're just, that's my baby. I got to do that practice. Then another one. Oh, then we get mom guilt and stuff like that. How did you keep that mission in front of your eyes? 
Yeah, it's a daily mindset for sure. And it's what you're saying yes to means what are you saying no to? You always have to look at your yeses and your noes. And you also have to be really focused on your why. Is it bringing you closer to your why? I certainly have made more mistakes than it feels like anyone in making this mission come together. You know, and people think that success is just straight up, but it's like this, you know, you just dip and then you come back up and you dip and you come back up. You win, you lose, you win, you lose. It's just a matter of better the next time. And that's where leaning into issue processing, leaning into facing the things that didn't work. And it's about getting back on the bike and continuing to pedal. So I know that with my kids, it was definitely always the centering for me and my why I was working and how we were developing the team members. The good thing is that I happen to be one of those people that really enjoy service and support. And I get a lot out of seeing people grow more than my own successes. It gets me really excited to see someone figure something out and to have been this little part of it, or maybe just enough to get them to jump up. So in my lifetime, in the beginning, we got a post-it and we got a big board and my husband and I, boyfriend at the time, said, okay, what do we want to accomplish with this practice? Fast forward, looking 10 years from now, looking 20 years from now, what do we want to see after all of our years of work? And that's where being in the future is really valuable because now you get your why, but then you have to come back and we have to be in now. What can we do now? What's the best resources now? Because if we're always just like dreamy, dreamy, dreamy over here, then we're not actually accomplishing things. And the other thing is that if we're always looking back, what ifs, should have, could have, wished of, you know, wished, wished, wished. If I'd only known, then now we're not doing anything about the now. Things are not moving forward. They're just staying behind. So I think the present, the key, this is it, it's hugely beneficial to stay in the now. Each one of those keys, the eight keys of excellence, really keeps me centered. Yeah, that's a really good point. I feel like if you stay in the now, you stop so much procrastinating because of the future, right? You're like thinking of my why, oh, I'm going to get there. And then you eventually, you know what I mean? Or it's going to get there. But if you're in the now, you're like, okay, now I got to do this in that moment. Kind of. I only have now, right? Yeah. Yeah. I only have now. Really good. You mentioned two words that I kind of want to ask you about. Issue processing. What is that? So issue processing is where real leadership comes into play because We look at, say, an issue, maybe the phone's getting answered. You take an issue and we all put our emotions aside and we look at it and how could we do that better? And if we're in a process of brainstorming with all these different people, like how can we get this better? How can we get this better? And the focus is around that one issue now some solutions start coming up. What I'm not a fan of is having someone hand me their monkey and then I'm supposed to put their monkey on my back. Basically, as a leader, the issues come up. But if they just want to say, here's my problem. So I don't need people coming to me with their problems, basically. That's their monkeys. And I want to be able to support people to figure things out. 
I want to be able to support them to be making some decisions. In fact, we have a process called decision tree. So basically my goal is to help them to know which decisions they need to just make and which decisions they need to bring to me. So in a tree, for instance, I'm the roots, you know, in the trunk, but I want my team members to make some branch decisions or at least the leaf, leaf decisions. I don't want them bringing me all the leaves. I don't want to be raking up all those leaves all the time because yeah. then that's a whole different level of energy. I want them to feel empowered to make some decisions. So when they're part of issue processing, then they can understand like how I'm thinking, what I'm thinking. For instance, a patient's upset and they're complaining about their crown. Maybe you don't give the entire crown away. Don't just say, we're going to do it for free. Don't worry. I don't want you to be upset. Yeah. Maybe we come up with a better decision. So as a leader leading leaders, I'm careful to squish them in a place when they've made a decision. And then I said that was a bad decision. So I have to develop them in that regard. So I want them to stay open to possibilities in that issue processing I want them to have some initiative. I want them to be willing to defend their decision. So why did you decide that? Why did you decide, not from a defense standpoint, but explain to me, help mm -hmm. me understand. Because if I can understand why you did that and what your thinking was, now I can put you on a different level of thinking because obviously we can't give away every crown. How could I pay you? What else could have happened is this. So now you've got that muscle built up and you're building their leadership muscles. So how we talk to them is really, really important. Build up versus tear down. Yeah, you're teaching them basically how to make decisions. And I like that because they're not always going to go to you and being like, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? And then you're kind of like, man, I'm always having to tell you what to do. But I guess it comes back to us as a leader where we never help them develop that muscle, like you said. Yeah, teach them to fish. Yeah. Yeah. Teaching the fish. I like that. So then if we fast forward a little bit more, you were approached to buy another practice. Yes. And your so, why changed. So what was your why before? So my why before had much to do with being able to have choice, picking up my kids after school, be able to comfortably care for them as a mom, a working mom. And then when I took on the partner, I thought my why was going to be so that I could be like PTA mom. You know, I could be very active in school and spend a lot of volunteer hours doing things, but still make enough money and be able to be at home. And so I was preparing for 50% work type thing. And then this other big opportunity came up and my knee jerk was, no, that's not my why. That would mess up that. And so then my husband and I sat down literally on the staircase up there. We said, you know, what's the bigger picture here with raising these kids? You know, what do we want? What is our job as a parent? We want to make sure that they have the values and their own leadership to lead their own lives. If they're always dependent on us, that would be a problem. Not that I couldn't have done that as my other plan, but there became this bigger opportunity because... We literally have been in the same home, in the same town, growing up in this little area. And we didn't really want them to just have this little microcosm of, of life. We wanted them to be have the humanity to understand the whole world and that the whole world was an opportunity for them. 
But how do you travel and expose them to things like that in the current position I was in, even with bringing on an associate and now having that as a partner, I was not necessarily making money unless I was there. So if I clocked out, say for a month, then my income stream is going way down. Ultimately, the idea of go big or go home, I guess, came in. The thing is about being small, you either stay small or you go big. And in the middle, you get pounded on with all kinds of business growth and changes. And that was something that was really clear. We were reaching the middle ground with that practice that had its own challenges, its own growth challenges. So ultimately, the goal of our family and the idea came into play to be able to travel with them. And for two years, we did that. We homeschooled them. We traveled basically about every month, six weeks at a time was our biggest one. And then two weeks being gone was our normal time. So we'd come back, we'd go. So we were traveling a lot. Each place had a different perspective and a different reason for being there. But what I needed to do for that is my team had to be able to take the reins and keep the practice going with or without me. I had to create this practice that these leaders could run the practice with me still having my extraordinary life without them. This whole way of developing this leadership was a necessary process in order to accomplish my goal of being able to come and go as I want in my practice and have the extraordinary life or whatever life I want. That's what your why kind of evolved into. Yes. It's like, I just want to do my own thing. Interesting. Real quick, which place, because you said each location gave you a different perspective, changed your life. Which one to you was like, this one was a whole 360, really changed my life, my perspective? Well, I would say that one of my favorites was our Asian tour. I really, really love Asia. And so that would be one of my favorites. And post-COVID, we haven't been able to get back to Vietnam, but my plans and my involvement with DDS fourkids.org continues. I still fundraise and do lots of things with DDS for kids. It's the number sign for. And Lon Jones, who's the founder of this, she's like uh, Mother Teresa X-Fold better. She's like this most beautiful person. And so having met her and having my kids get to know a person that's beautiful, so giving, who hasn't had children of her own, but she says the whole world is her children. And so she cares and loves and goes into all these different places to take care of them and make a difference. So having that impact and having my kids know that type of person, knowing, you know, when we went to Haiti, it was a little much, that was a lot much for me. Dr. Laurentis Barnett, he's been doing such amazing things in Haiti for so long. And I'm so grateful that we got that experience to go and do work there. There's so much going on there. Unfortunately, it's also so corrupt and got a lot of dangers, I think, for traveling. But Dr. Barnett and his decades and decades of giving and service to Haiti and really helping has been beautiful. So having my kids, having had the influences of these people that do things like that, priceless. Yeah, priceless. Yeah, man, it's beautiful. Okay. So then one of the last questions I wanted to ask you, Yolanda, is you mentioned made many mistakes, right? Yeah. So I guess from the moment you decided, okay, I'm going to start my own practice right till today, what's been some of your biggest 
struggles or fails or pitfalls? It has a lot to do with this leadership development. I wasn't always as strong of a leader. I certainly had to lean in on messing up certain relationships along the way because I wasn't ahead of this pre-communication. I had to have things onboarded with team members and not have it go longer term because I didn't have my vision or my communication about what I was looking to accomplish so clearly documented, so clearly able to reference to where anybody walks into the practice that they can understand a direction. I think that we lost a lot of time and a lot of energy with emotions being misunderstood with different things. We didn't have those clear directions and mistake or just journey. It was a journey. You journey through and you learn things along the way. And hopefully you don't have to keep making those mistakes over again. But I think the biggest thing is any team members, and there's been hundreds and hundreds of team members that I've had at this point, they've all taught me something. I've learned to be better because maybe I wasn't as good at the time. But how can I get better? How can I get better? It's been definitely a support for me in this journey. Yeah, I like that. Thinking about each team member and looking at them and saying, how can I learn from you? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it goes back to what you said. It's going to be like this, right? Yeah. Sometimes right now, I know a lot of our listeners may be like, man, I'm trying to reach to that million dollars a year mark. You're going to get there, I feel. But then it's going to, there's still going to be times where you're like, my team, it's worse. I'd rather sacrifice the money in, you know what I mean? Seasons. Yes. You go through seasons, yeah. You go through seasons. Learning's never out at all. It's constantly about learning. Constant and never-ending improvement all the time. And when you buy in and you get your team to buy into some of these belief systems, you accelerate. That was probably the smartest thing I ever did was from the beginning is stay with a coach, keep a relationship, have someone who's on the outside telling mm. you with all authenticity, that in reality, you screwed up. This isn't being your best self. You're thinking small, be big. Be the bigger person. Apologize. Because team members can't do that to you. You're like, okay, you're fired. You know, it's yeah. like it's, there's only so much that they're going to be able to authentically be your board of directors. And that's something to do easily is get a board of directors. Get people, be a board of director for someone else and get mastermind groups together and speak authentically to each other. You're not perfect. This could have gone better this way. And Recognize that when someone's giving you an opinion, there's plenty of them. Maybe that one is not exactly the right one, too. Just because people have an opinion doesn't mean that you need to embrace that opinion, too. Think through it. Continue to be a critical thinker. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much, Yolanda, for being with us. It's been a pleasure. But before we say goodbye, can you tell our listeners where they can find you? You can find me, Yolanda Mangrum at Fortune Management, which is fortunemgmt.com. That's my email. Or you can call me on the phone, 707-478-6394. I'm always happy to help in any way. It's really a beautiful journey and try to be really nice to yourself. You work really hard and your intentions are straight. So be nice to yourself. Self-talk and self-love is definitely where my focus is right now. We are type A people most of the time and we're pretty hard on ourselves. So 
as much as I was talking about being humble and taking on all the learning moments, remember to also focus back on some self-love and giving yourself a lot of credit. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Yolanda, for being with us. Guys, that's all going to be in the show notes below. So definitely reach out to Yolanda. And thank you for being with us. It's been a pleasure. And we'll hear from you soon. Sounds great. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. And Yolanda, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. We really appreciate you. So thank you so much for that. If you want to reach out to her, you can definitely go in the show notes below and click on her links that she's providing there for you. Or what you can do is join the free Facebook group, The Dental Marketer Society. It's going to be the first link in the show notes below. And if you go there and click it, you just join. You join and you're able to talk with myself. You're able to interact with other listeners, the guests on there, and see much, much more things that the podcast has to offer you in more of like a compartmentalized little group, right? Um, and so, wonderful group. I encourage you to go join it. Uh, you're able to get more out of the episodes, get more out of the guests. And at the same time, you're able to vent and talk about your practice a little bit more. And we can provide solutions and things like that. Or the guests can provide solutions or other members in the Dental Marketer Society Facebook group love to provide solutions to for any of the problems that you may be facing. So go ahead and do that. It's the first link in the show notes below. It's a free Facebook group, The Dental Marketer Society. I'm excited to see you there. And thank you so much for tuning in. And I'll talk to you in the next episode.